In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have a super awesome guest here with me. Raj, how you doing, my friend? I am doing good. So excited to finally do the episode, and I'm really uh, grateful to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for being here. Now, I'm excited because we've got a lot of things to talk about. You're a career coach. You just launched a new book and you've got all these amazing things happening. So now I'm going to ask you as the opening question, you know, what inspired your journey to where you are today? Great question. So when I was born, no, I'm just kidding. But the <laughs> point is, I'm going to set some context uh, to begin with. So, of course, from my thick Texas accent, uh, you would have already realized that I'm not, I was not born in the United States, right? So my story goes way back in southern part of India. So I grew up in a place called Chennai, which is one of the bigger cities in India. So you have Bangalore, Kolkata, New Delhi, Mumbai, and then Bangalore, and then you have Chennai. And that's where I grew up. And I was the younger of the two kids. And since a young age, I had this inferiority complex that I wasn't good enough because this was partly because of my childhood where my uh, dad, he uh, studied in scholarships like throughout his life. And then my brother has three masters and a PhD. And then there I was the average Joe who didn't do well in academics, right? And for those of you listening who are Asian, you can relate to this because uh, if you grow up in an Asian family, you pretty much have three choices. You could be a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. <laughs> and I said, okay, let's do engineering. <laughs> but that's how I grew up. And I was uh, surrounded by all these overachievers around me. So I uh, constantly put pressure on myself to emulate other people. And every time I tried doing that, trying to elevate to their expectations, I ended up getting disappointed because I could never rise up to people's expectations because each person were in different phases of their life, but I could never match them. And this constant struggle of being compared to other people and comparing myself to other people made me develop uh, anxiety, uh, fear of rejection, uh, fear of public speaking. And I felt kind of like an outcast. I still remember this. It's funny talking about fear of rejection. I still remember the story where during my eighth grade, I had this crush on this uh, girl. And uh, every time I, she passed me or I went near her, I used to start sweating. I used to stutter. I'm talking about that type of wreck uh, I was then. And it took me three weeks just to say hi to her. So that type of fear of uh, rejection and anxiety, that's what I had. This kind of continued till my second year of my undergrad. And then I remember this incident where I was sitting in my study room. And then all of a sudden, my chest starts hurting. And I thought I was getting a heart attack because it's beating really fast, like tuck, 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 tuck. 
but apparently later in my life, I found it was a panic attack. But at that moment, I didn't know what was happening. And then I started uh, sweating. Uh, my body was shaking. My hands were trembling. And then I could still feel, I remember this because my uh, eyes were filling up with tears and I could feel the tears trickling down my cheeks. And I didn't know what was happening. And slowly, the pain in my chest kind of uh, shifted towards my head because all this initial years in my childhood, 20 years of living a life in false identity, living a life for other people, letting other people's opinions be my reality, all these things had bottled up inside me and just exploded. I sat there profusely crying for two hours, realizing, man, I wasted 20 years of my life for other people. And I ended up disappointing myself throughout my life. And that's when I decided, you know what? I matter. I'm enough. I'm going to carve my own identity. I'm going to strive for greatness. And that's when I declared power over my life. And since then, I have experimented with so many different things in my life, which converted, transformed my life from a shy introverted kid earning a minimum salary into an international keynote speaker, author, and tech career coach running a six-figure business, right? It was this initial story, initial incident, the initial experience, which led me to where I am today, where I coach people specifically in the tech industry to find their dream job and become successful leaders in the industry. And also, I became an international keynote speaker, and I speak in front of thousands of people, and all this transformation would not have happened if not for this background story. So just setting some context there. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. So what was it that made you realize in that moment, like your shift, your aha moment to take your power back? Because that, that takes a lot of work. I know you summed it up, but it takes so much work to go from, you know, living a life that you were living for everybody else but yourself, and then how you morphed it into regaining your own power. So what was that? You talked to me a little bit about what that process was like and like, mm -hmm. how, like step by step, how'd you get past that hump? Because I know there's a lot of people that are stuck in that rut right now. And it's like the easier for them, it would be to understand how you, you know, went through it might help them. Yeah. Another great question. So a lot of people go through fears, fear. There are always some fear, no matter what you do in life, because fear is an emotional reaction to, at least for me, that's what I consider fear as an emotional reaction to the unknowns or fear of success, failure, whatever that may be. And for me growing up, as I mentioned, there were a lot of fears, fear of uh, public speaking, fear of rejection, fear of not being worthy enough. So I started noting down all these fears and I started addressing them one by one. And that's when the real change actually happened, right? So on a high level, I wanted to change two things in life. One was I really wanted to get rid of the fear of rejection because it was really hard for me to work at all. Mm. And the second thing was I wanted to get rid of my fear of not feeling worthy by finding out what my true passion in life is. So those were the main two things mm. which I wanted to first focus on. So going back to the first one, which is fear of rejection. So what I started doing after I had this trigger event during my second year of my undergrad was mm. I started taking uh, part-time jobs because what it did for me was it pushed me out of my comfort zone where I had to talk to strange people, strangers who I've never talked to before. And I had to learn life skills and money skills by working in this environment. So I put myself at a place 
which would help me face that fear head on. That was one thing. And also I inserted myself in uncomfortable conversations wantonly in many situations to see what happens and how I respond. So it was this constant experimentation. Once you do it, you feel really bad. Second time you do it, you feel really bad. Third time, fourth time, fifth time, sixth time, seventh time. Once you start doing it, it becomes part of who you are. And then you can start facing uncomfortable conversations with more confidence. And you start learning a lot about yourself and how you can also handle these situations, come up with solutions. So that was the first thing, overcoming the fear of rejection by doing these part-time jobs, inserting myself in uncomfortable conversations. The second thing was I wanted to establish credibility. I wanted to make people notice me for who I was, what I bring to the table. So when I stepped into my career in IT, I made a vow to myself that I am going to do whatever it takes to make people notice me. And I'm going to show them what it means to work with me. So from day one, when I started off my uh, work life in IT, I did everything which people asked me to do. I said yes to anything which came my way. And also, mainly, I volunteered to do the shitty things no one else wanted to do. That was the key moment because there were a lot of these things people don't want to do because it consumes time or it's complex or whatever be the case. But I wanted to took those opportunities because this is the thing. When you do something which people find complex or people have been struggling with, and if you do it really well, there you establish credibility. People start noticing you. And the next time you get big responsibilities, people are going to think about you. So that's what I started doing, establishing credibility by uh, volunteering to the, for these things. And then one key thing, which I wanted to tell your listeners, which has helped me as in this transformation was always remember undersell, and then overperform. Mm. So what do I mean by that? Especially in IT, when people give you a task, say they ask you to build a calculator, you don't have to build a rocket, commit to building a rocket, right? So that's the problem for majority of the people who not only in IT, in any workplace, and you probably would have seen it as well, where people commit to so many different things. And then when they deliver it, it's not of high quality because they said they're going to finish 10 tasks, but they deliver only three tasks sometime. So instead, shift your mindset a little bit where you say, you know what, this task is going to take me four days. Then what you're going to do is finish the task in two days. And for the next two days, see what extra you can do where people will remember your work, which will add value to your work. So underselling, overperforming, these were kind of the things which uh, helped me start this whole uh, transformation process. And as part of that, it was also a mindset shift from uh, shifting my mindset from a place of scarcity to a place of abundance, knowing that, you know what? I have my own path. I have my own skills. Let's go out there and see what comes out of it. So that's pretty much kind of how I started my transformation, which is facing my fears head on. And I also have some interesting stories about public speaking and other things as well, but we'll get to it when we get to it. But this is pretty much the background. The crux of it. Wow. Then you know what's crazy is like with you and your experience, how was it that panic attack that gave you that realization that, hey, I'm not living for myself. I'm living for everyone else. Is that sort of when that came to you? Because sometimes it's, it's very difficult 
when you're in the stage of routine in life, right? Where you're constantly going through the same motions over and over. It's so hard to break that unless somebody says to you and like slaps you in the face, like, hey, hey, or, you know, some sort of moment that you're like, oh my gosh, you know, this is not, you know, this is not me, you know? So I was just in- interested to know, um, was it that that sort of shaped that moment for you? Isn't it funny that, uh, I know your story as well. So isn't it funny, we all have to go through adversities Yep. to find peak performance and what actually transforms your life. And I feel that is true for anyone who, you know, have succeeded in life where they, they should have faced some sort of adversities, some sort of struggles to yep. come out of it and then uh, have exponential growth. And it's the same way for me uh, where that trigger event where I had the panic attack during my second year of my undergrad, if that didn't happen, then probably nothing would have happened. So I believe that everyone has to go through the lows to realize how high you can get. I feel life is like a tennis ball. The lower you go when you hit the floor, that is the adversity, that's the tipping point, that is the point where you're the lowest. And then the higher you fall, the higher you're gonna bounce back. And I feel that's so true. And I'm a sucker for, Uh, motivational books, biographies. And if you read, and as you probably would relate to as well, is every podcast you listen to, every book you read, whoever has succeeded in life had some sort of struggles. It's just like telling a kid, don't touch the fire, don't touch the fire. But once the kid touches the fire, then it knows not to do it again. It's the exact same way. So for me personally, yes, it was that struggle, which I initially faced, and that actually made me look at adversities as opportunities, right? Because throughout my life, I faced so many different adversities like this. For example, when I came to the US as an immigrant in 2008, I still remember this vividly. I came to the US August 31st, 2008. And September 7th, 2008, Lehman Brothers fell. And for those young listeners who are tuning in, Lehman Brothers was one of the biggest financial firms in the world. And uh, they became bankrupt overnight. And that kind of triggered the whole recession of 2008. And finding jobs as an immigrant was so hard because no one was ready to sponsor my work permits. Kind of the similar situation we are in right now during the COVID era. And I had two choices. One is to go back from where I came from with half of my international students who were in my master's program. Or the second option was do whatever it takes stick around and see where you can find opportunities. So luckily I chose the second option. And from the beginning of 2009 till end of 2009, I applied for 1,293 jobs. One, two, nine, three jobs. Wow. And, and guess how many callbacks? 1,293. I just want to make sure everyone hears that. Not 123, 1,293, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Oh my gosh. Wow. Guess how many callbacks I got from it? How many callbacks? I got four callbacks from 1,293 jobs and I converted one job out of it. And that too, it was not a full-time job, but it was an internship. And then for the next six months, I worked my ass off to let people know that I could really do great work. And then I was able to convert that into a full-time job and the rest was history. The reason I gave you this example is 
that trigger event which happened during my second year of my undergrad yeah. taught me about adversities, feelings, and being in a difficult situation. And facing that helped me overcome a lot of my fears and a lot of my adversities throughout my life. Like in 2008, 2011, 2015, I had all these moments when I face adversities. And even now, like how you probably would have faced with COVID, people who run businesses like us, we had to pivot. So you have an option whether to not pivot and then just keep doing what you're doing, which is not working, or do something different and see what else is out there, right? So that's kind of like an overall summary of trigger event, which pretty much set the tone for everything that I've faced and that has happened throughout my life, so. Wow, that's remarkable. So then basically you stepped into IT. That's where you started in your career path. And then now you're an international keynote speaker. So lead me through your career journey, how that sort of, how you sort of shifted along the way into becoming a coach and then getting into Mm -hmm. keynote speaking and stuff like that. Love to hear all about that. Yeah, so my basic motto was the same thing which I just mentioned at the beginning, which was facing my fears. So that pretty much helped me find different jobs, which I was interested in. It helped me help to open up my mind to so many different opportunities, right? 2008, this happened, which I just mentioned where I applied for that many jobs. And then in 2011, I was uh, checking my emails. And one of the emails said, there's a software conference happening in Seattle. Come join us. And I just kept looking at that email for about five, 10 minutes. Because there's something speaking inside me in terms of one of the fears in my life was fear of public speaking. It was haunting me till 2011 that I haven't taken any action towards it. Every time I sleep, every time I talk, there's always in the back of my mind that I have this fear of public speaking, talking to people and uh, putting my points in an understandable and digestible format. All those things were going through my brain again and again. And then this email shows up. And I was looking at it all this while I'd made a vow to myself that I am going to take actions on my fears. So this was an opportunity where I could go to a conference, meet really random people, talk to them and see what I can learn from a conference. It pushes me out of my comfort zone. So the common theme throughout my life was pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And for people listening, that is something you want to think about. If you want change, then you need, put, you need to push yourself out of your comfort zone. Coming back to the story, so I decided to spend $3,000 of my own money to go to the SAFR conference. And to give you some context, no one actually spends $3,000 of their own money to go to an actual conference because either the company sponsors you to go to a conference or you go to the conference as a speaker, in which case the majority of the registration fee is waived. But For me, my company wasn't ready to sponsor me because they ran out of budgets and I wasn't a speaker. I said, you know what? I'm going to invest in myself. This is going to push me out of my comfort zone. I'm going to spend $3,000 of the money, which I didn't have with a credit card. And I went to the conference. There, I started networking with a lot of people and I started seeing all these speakers. There were some good talks and then there were some bad talks. And thankfully, there were some bad talks because looking at these speakers, I had this epiphany that, huh, all this while I've been thinking about fear of public speaking, what other better way than actually giving a talk to get rid of that fear? That's when it hit me that I should do something 
in terms of speaking to get rid of the fear of public speaking. To cut a long story short, so I come back networking with all these speakers in terms of how they prepare, how they put proposals, et cetera. Then 2012, I started talking in small, small meetup groups because it was a safe space for me. Mm. Then in 2013, after seven months and 23 trial runs, I gave my first conference talk and it was a huge, huge hit. Nice. People talking, talking about me. They said, there's this weird Indian dude. He's really funny. He's uh-huh. inspirational. You should definitely go check him out. And that kind of continued since 2013. And here I am, 2020 alone. I've spoken at 25 conferences. I've given, I did five keynotes this year. That's because it all started from me deciding to make a change and pushing myself out of the comfort zone, right? So in terms of the speaking, that's how I became an international keynote speaker because of that incident. But in terms of my career standpoint, uh, over the years, from 2012 to 2018 timeframe, I uh, started getting promoted to for different job responsibilities. I was in more of a leadership role. And every time people came up to me or I identified areas where people could grow, I used to point that out and then give them strategies to actually improve in their personal and careers, personal life and careers, right? And this kind of continued and people saying, dude, you have a knack for this. The strategies you mentioned, I use that to find a job. The strategies you mentioned, I use that to get a promotion. The strategies you mentioned, I use that for getting an interview call. Then I started seeing a pattern over the past seven, eight years that I've impacted so many people, but I just didn't see it that this is something I really want to do. This is what I'm passionate about. Beginning of 2018, I decided to do tech career coaching full-time because I'm a techie. I've been in the industry for over 15 years and I'm helping people specifically in this industry to grow in their careers as well. So that's kind of my whole journey from a speaking standpoint, from a career standpoint, how I got to where I am today. That's amazing. So there's quite a few observations that I made that I think are so cool. I like that you started by facing your fears, doing one thing, and then it led you on and on and on. Because I feel that sometimes, you know, when, when you have a fear in your mind, it just seems so big and scary, but like the way that you broke it down, it's like, no, you just do one thing to try to combat that fear and it'll lead you through the right direction. So I think that that's awesome. And just as you said, it's because of the speaking, I got my other jobs. Yep. It's because of that one thing, I got my other jobs. Because uh, in 2014 timeframe, I was in Cleveland, Ohio at that point of time. And then a person out of the blue calls me up. She's like the director of engineering. And she says, hey, I was in one of your talks. And you're super impactful. The strategies you mentioned are really great in building teams. I want you to head the mobile team for Expedia, right? And, but that was in Chicago, but I was in Cleveland. I said, no, but one thing led to another. In five days, I was already in Chicago interviewing, got the job, and I decided to move to Chicago. That's to tell you, that's to show you that when you make that one decision to make a change, then you're going to see a lot of things around it, which you never know may happen. So to your point, yes, you do one thing and then you see what comes out of it and then things follow. Because I believe the universe has a way to give you opportunities to open the doors 
it just our responsibility i would say to have an open mind and try out different things and pushing yourself again out of your comfort zone to discover those things which you would probably never ever think that you're capable of doing if you ask me in 2008 whether i would be an international keynote speaker an author and a tech career coach <laughs> i would say are you crazy that's also the reason why i coach people i help them interviews and in interviews and salary negotiations mm-hmm. and a common question in interviews is how do you see yourself 5 years from now frankly i think that's a stupid question because as we know as you and me know being entrepreneurs our life 5 years ago is so different from the life we live right now and 5 years ago if they ask you whether you're doing some of the things that you're doing right now you probably would have said no if they ask me I wouldn't said no. So a better question would be how do you see yourself in terms of your skill sets? Like what do you want to do in life, right? That would be a good start uh, keeping it as an open-ended question. And then you can start exploring different options and finally 5 years down the line, yeah, you may be doing something totally different you never know. But uh yeah, that is something just to think about. Absolutely. And I find that so inspiring too that you also transitioned. So you got into IT and then you were helping people along the way and then you transitioned into becoming a coach which is so cool and that's led to your book now your newest book to skyrocket your career and so tell me what that experience was like sort of shifting into into that world so for me i always wanted to write a book when i say always the seed was planted around in the 2015 time frame mm-hmm. because as an immigrant coming to united states I had to go through a lot of funny and serious uh, experiences in my life also related to racism stereotyping and also funny cultural shocks which I had to go through so I always thought my first book would be an immigrant's life in a foreign land my memoir about different experiences because I have some really hilarious experiences right like for it, one quick example would be I think your audience will get a kick out of the story. So I told you I came to the US in 2008 and I landed at the JFK airport. I get out of my gate and then a person passes me and says, "Hey, how's it going?" Then I said, "Yeah, it is going good." If you think I have a thick accent now, you should have seen me in 2008. But I'm saying, "Yeah, it's going good and uh, this is my first day here. I'm come for my masters." I start talking but they don't they don't hear me out they just pass me and then I keep walking another person passes me and says hey how's it going then I said yeah today is my first day here in the US I came here for my masters and they don't respond they just pass me by and then I get over the airport and then there was this pretty girl I would say around 35ish and then she asked me how's it going then I said you know what I'm going to tell her how's it going because no one is responding to me so I started walking with her and uh, i said yeah today is my first day i came here came here to do my masters in software engineering i had a long flight i'm from india i keep walking with her and then she turns back and says what are you doing and i said you asked me how's it going so i'm telling you how's it going then she looks at me and says you weirdo and then she just leaves then only i found out no one gives a shit about how when they say how's it going in the us because it's a culture thing right. but if you go to asia and europe people were actually stand there and respond to you yeah. so that's literally like a simple funny story two stories where i had the guns pulled on me by the cop because of my color that's a totally different story but the point is i had gone through so many different experiences and that was going to be my first book but then 
in 2020, COVID happened. COVID was going to be my year, my speaking year. I was booked in all the largest software conferences in the world, going to inspire and speak to thousands of people. And then COVID happened and everything is like me talking to you right now. It just through a webcam. You don't get that feeling that you're talking in front of thousands of people. Literally, you could record videos and then send it. There's no conversation at all. And it was really depressing for me. So I recognized that I was depressed for a while. But then as we were just talking about for every adversities, there's also some opportunities, right? So I started thinking about, okay, what else could I do to pivot? Because a part of my business is speaking. I speak for so many different companies and events, but that is pretty much shut down. That's when I decided that, you know what? This was way back in the March timeframe. And a lot of people connected with me via LinkedIn who had lost jobs. And they said, hey, could you help me with my resume? Could you help me with interviews? So I did started doing free sessions for people to help them out. Then I thought to myself, why not put all these things, which I help people with, into a book? Because there are 30 million jobs which have already been lost and uh, people really need help. So that's how I decided to pivot, then write a book on how to advance your career instead of my memoir, which will be my second book. Mm -hmm. And the, the book is called Skyrocket Your Career, The No Bullshit Approach to Find Your Dream Job, Be Successful in It, and Transform into a Rockstar. So literally, I take all my real life experiences going through different adversities at work and then what are the different strategies which I uh, followed to transform my life from, again, a shy introverted minimum salary earning person to where I am today, right? That's kind of the idea behind the book. Uh, if you're interested, I can talk about how I wrote the book. But in terms of how the book came along, that's how it came along because I pivoted. I want to help people, especially people of last jobs and looking for help, so... Wow, that's amazing that you were able to take 2020 and kind of shift it in a way that's also helpful to a lot of people. That's amazing. So you, you mentioned a few things regarding your experiences throughout your journey. Would you be willing to share any of like the challenges as you've sort of grown into, you know, the IT space and then going into the speaking and then going into coaching and, and things like that? What were some of the biggest challenges sort of in throughout your career trajectory, if you will? So personally, some of the biggest challenges was, um, first one was uh, there was a lot of stereotyping, which I had to face. What that means is I'm from Southern part of India, I'm brown. And of course, they are all over the tech space, right? You will always find some Indian dude or woman doing something, right? There are two types of people who come from my place. The first type of people are the people who like how their life has already been in India for example, and then they want to live the same kind of life in the U.S. or wherever they immigrate to. And that's totally fine. But there are second class of people or second type of people like me who want to learn new cultures, who want to adapt to the new environment. There's a saying, right? When in Rome, do as the Romans do. So I took that type of mentality. But the problem is, so I am in the United States, so I can speak to that context. A lot of people think that, okay, if you are from India or from China, okay, you're going to act like this. You're going to speak like this, right? They already labeled you. But then I show up who is talking to people, watching football. I play basketball. I play for basketball leagues. They said, who is this guy? Who, how are you an Indian, dude? Like, I don't understand, 
right? So I had to let people know that there, there are different types of people with different mindsets. You cannot just label category of people and put them under that pool, but yeah. there are different types of people and you need to be open to learning about them and don't stereotype them, don't label them. So because of stereotyping, I lost some opportunities as well. For example, in some of the companies I work for, the folks from my place who are in leadership roles weren't doing a good job. So they thought all Indian folks are not good leaders. You see how that whole narrative shifts? So I was losing some opportunities. So I had to put in extra effort to prove to people that I'm worth it, I'm credible, and I can actually do work, do actual work with great quality. So that was one constant struggle which I had to go through stereotyping. Second thing was, I didn't know that, I didn't realize that personal brand is the most important thing you need to have to grow in your career, not only in tech space, but in whatever space you are in, you need to build your personal brand. I didn't, and I didn't know that until about 2012 timeframe, because this is the thing right now, say you're going for interviews and say you have a degree from Harvard. And then there's another person who went to community college. They both can be on the same plane, but based on how you tell your story and, and your personal brand, the person from the community college can shine better than the person from Harvard. Again, I'm not saying anything against Harvard or community college. I'm just giving you a random example where pe maybe people do not have degrees or fancy degrees compared to Harvard folks. Yeah. What I'm trying to say here is you have to build your personal brand. You have to figure out what makes you stand out from the crowd. Let's say 2020, for example, 30 million jobs have been lost. A lot of people are applying for jobs. So the odds are, say you want to become a sales representative, thousands of people are applying for the same job. What's going to make you stand out from the other thousands of people who are mm -hmm. applying for the same exact job? That's where the personal branding comes in the picture. I realized that in about 2012, where it's not only the work you do, but it's also the different things you do as part of your work, right? So the speaking, then I started writing for different magazines. Then I started volunteering at conferences. Then I started shadowing other leaders in my company to know what leadership looks like. So I started doing all these things. So when promotions and opportunities came up, they saw that Raj not only was a software programmer, but he actually did all these things compared to other software programmers who didn't do anything, right? So it's a personal brand. So building my personal brand, realizing that I have to build my personal brand, it was a late realization, but those were definitely one of my challenges because first I started off with nothing, but I had to build all these uh, portfolio of work for me to stand out from the crowd. So I would say stereotyping was a challenge. And then my path to building a personal brand were the two main challenges. But I say challenges as, and as immigrants, it's so hard. We have our own struggles. But another thing I've noticed is being a woman in tech is a whole different struggle, especially from a diversity and tech and empowerment standpoint. Yeah. Man, women have to go through a lot of stuff as well. But that's a whole different discussion. But in terms of my personal challenges, it was these two things. And uh, that's what helped me get to where I am today. So. I love that. So in building your personal brand, you chose to diversify, which I think yep. is so, so cool because then you're, you become dynamic on all fronts and nobody can really touch you. So I think that that's so important that you handled it that way. And now I have a question for you. So for anyone out there who's listening, what would be your biggest piece of advice? The biggest piece of advice would be 
build your personal brand. That's everything. Because right now, we see how competitive the market is. And you need to go the extra mile to be extraordinary. So being ordinary is easy. Being extraordinary is hard. And the way you become extraordinary is by building your personal brand, right? And uh, something which I've done and which people listening or watching can implement in their life right now for building their personal brand is these things. First one is if you are tech person or working for IT companies or something from a like a professional standpoint, if you have any work on that genre, I would say have a LinkedIn profile because LinkedIn is everything for you. You need to have an updated LinkedIn profile because your next job could be on LinkedIn. In fact, my last four jobs was through LinkedIn and it's been nine years since I actually submitted a resume to get a job because LinkedIn is so powerful. And the reason is all these recruiting companies, they use software which scans your LinkedIn profile and looks for keywords. Like say you're a sales rep, it could be collaborating, marketing, sales pipelines, right? You should use all these keywords on your profile because they actually do keyword search. And whatever information you put on LinkedIn is actually indexed by Google. So the odds are if someone's looking for a sales rep and you have information and keywords which associates with a sales rep on your LinkedIn profile, you have an opportunity to be on the top 10 results of Google and you have the opportunity to be noticed, right? Not a lot of people actually know that. That's why LinkedIn is so, so important for your personal brand, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, there are a lot of strategies within LinkedIn itself you could use to grow your network. And I also talk about that in my book as well. But LinkedIn is one thing. Second thing was start attending conferences, meetup groups, and then try to grow your network. So the way to do that is here's some quick strategy, right? Uh, people can follow. So say, for example, you want to be, uh, since I'm from a tech space, I always keep using tech jobs as an example. So say, for example, you want to be a nurse practitioner, but the point is, say you want to be a nurse practitioner, start going, looking at what meetup groups are there for nurse practitioners, okay? And start attending conferences for nurse practitioners. And what you're going to do is, in the meetup, for example, it's going to show you a list of people who registered for the meetup event. You literally take take the names of those attendee list, plug that on LinkedIn, you're going to get their bio. And say they're also nurse practitioners and have your dream job and are working in your dream company, start connecting with them. So literally no one's story or personal data is private anymore. Every, everything is on the internet, people. So make use of it. So the point is you can actually look at the bio and then connect with those people, right? So that's what I mean by growing your network, using these conferences and meetups to connect with people. And another thing to think about is continuous learning. Say you're applying for being, again, say a sales rep, right? You want to start taking different courses, which would help in adding to your already existing skill set, right? Now we have LinkedIn courses, you have Coursera, you have Udemy, you have Khan Academy. Start taking these extra courses and then attach that to LinkedIn because the odds are if a person does not have any extra courses, but you have taken the extra courses, they know that you are proactive and then you are going to stand out from the other person, right? So continuous learning is something you want to do. So you have three things, which I just mentioned, which is LinkedIn, uh, growing your network through conferences, and then 
uh, continuous learning to build your personal brand. So that building your personal brand is everything, people, because the times have changed. The way work has been done is changed. And the to remember right now is being jack of all trades and master of none. That's because you need to know, have basic knowledge of everything because our technology, technology is changing as we speak. We have AI, cryptocurrency, blockchain, microservices, right? The point is you need to have the basics of all these things instead of just specializing in just one particular programming language, right? Based on my experience, that's what is going to set you up for success. I love that, Raja. Now, where can everybody find you and your awesomeness and you know information about your book and all of that? So all the information about my book can be found at uh, skyrocketyourcareerbook.com. And uh, there you'll find how I wrote this book, and then an intro about the book, what I'm covering. And I'm giving away a free chapter of the book because I know that feeling where we do a lot of great marketing, then people buy the book and then find out it's a really shitty book, right? I get I get it. So you can download the first free chapter and no strings attached. And you yourself can judge whether you're going to get value. And based on the way my book has been selling and been impacting people, I 100% feel you're going to get value because my book hit the rank 70 on the bestseller list in the jobs and career advice section, which is great because there are millions of books in each freaking category on Amazon, right? And if I was able to hit uh, number 70 on the bestseller list, it says something. That's because I poured in all my secrets and everything I do, I've done to get to where I am today. So skyrocketyourcareerbook.com. That's where you want to go. And uh, if you want to know how I help people through my one-on-one programs and my group coaching programs, check out my website, which is rajsubra.com, R-A-J-S-U-B-R-A.com. And finally, I live on LinkedIn and LinkedIn is my jam. So if people want to connect with me, make sure you follow me, message me, and then I would be more than glad to help you out with whatever things you want to do in life. So yeah, that's how you can reach out to me. I appreciate you, Raj. Thank you so much for sharing that with everyone and just your awesomeness today. You are so awesome. And I love your journey and your story and all your amazing tips. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I just wanted to acknowledge you for showing up consistently and then giving this podcast to people. Uh, I love the theme of the podcast, Underdog Podcast. I know how it feels to be an underdog, you know how to feel how it feels to be an underdog. And hopefully your podcast is going to inspire other underdogs to come out of their closet and do some epic shit, right? And uh, I want to acknowledge you for that. You've been doing great, impactful work. Your story is very inspiring. And uh, I am really grateful to be speaking in front of you right now and sharing my story. So I really appreciate that opportunity as well. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift. And join us on the next episode.